You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. And we are back again with Jessamine Rice. Whoa, that was pretty neat. It's like your camera just kind of did the slow pan. Did you do that? I'm all here for the theatrics. Is that what that is? Yeah, that's uh, what that is. Well, I mean, we can do theatrics, or we can talk about one of the coolest experiences we've had in a long time, and that is Road to the Horse. Oh, what an awesome, awesome time. So, I've been talking about it nonstop since I've been back. I, I have to the uh the the crazy thing is you know I'd always heard about Road to the Horse I'd always it, you know it's always been a bucket list type thing but it was never close to the top because I was like you know I'll get there eventually and then when I got the invite to go I was like holy crap I'm gonna get to go to Road to the Horse and then it sunk in I'm not only gonna get to Road to the Horse I'm going to the Kentucky Horse Park I get to take all that in and that is. That's just as cool as Road to the Horse. Yeah, especially for people who've never been there before. Like, getting to be at the Kentucky Horse Park is such an experience. I remember my first time being there, and I've been there multiple times, and we, in the times that I've been there, I still didn't get to experience all the things that we did this weekend. The, yeah, I mean, we might as well just go in chronological order. And by the way, guys, this is why you didn't get a podcast last week. And also, this is why this was not going to get heavily edited because, for one, we're consummate professionals here. Just look at Jess lounging in her T-shirt with her hair all a mess. Um, and I haven't even put my studio back together. Like, it's haphazard. But so uh, we get there on Wednesday, and – the first thing I'm like, we are doing the uh, International Museum of the Horse. Yes. Well, Thursday. You got oh, thir- That's we right. Got, we Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, so. International yeah, International Museum of the Horse Thursday uh, because it was a late start for – that was the free day for Road to the Horse. Uh, so everybody could come out. Um, but the International Museum of the Horse, for those that don't know, is – and I'm pretty sure there are probably other museums around the world that are are similar. Um, it quite honestly is one of the, the best I have seen. Like we have museums here locally in Aiken, they're nothing like that. That that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in a museum. Yeah, it was. A, I feel like they represented the breeds that they had represented. They represented super well, and then not only that, but. It was such a cool experience getting to walk through, and it's kind of like walking into a time machine. So uh, when you first enter the museum, you get in, and it starts with the very, very earliest of times. And then as you progress through the museum, it gets later in times, and then they get to the breed-specific categories, which is really cool. Um, I definitely, on a personal level, learned a lot being there. Um, It's very 
engaging. They have such cool like pictures and not only pictures, but like real artifacts and stuff that are there that you can uh, look into or like uh, remodeled stuff that is very similar to what would have been there in the time. Um, and for me, unlike Ryan, I'm not a huge history person. So sometimes things like that don't catch my they don't catch my attention as well, but man, I could have sat there all day. I want to go back and, you know, just experience even more of it. It's impossible to see it all in one day. No. And yeah, and we weren't really rushed, but you know, as you go through, you're, you're kind of skimming everything. Cause there was at one point we got into the racehorse gallery and you're skimming through, skimming through. And I, I, I remember I stopped you specifically and I was like, Hey, you need to come take a look at this. And it was um, World Away's um, trophy. And then all of a sudden we walk into and there's a case. And it is Secretariat's uh, Triple Crown Award, his halter, uh, a set of his shoes, and a lock of his hair. And I'm like, oh, it's big red stuff. And I'm, a, uh, I, you know, I'm very stereotypical. I am a sucker for anything that has to do with big red. And if you're not, then, you know. Yeah. Are you even a horse person? No. Like, I was hoping to see something sham related, but I didn't. Uh, because next to Secretary, I love sham and, and Seattle slew. And there is a boatload of a, a slew of Seattle slew stuff. Yeah, pun firmly intended. <laughs> there was. It was it. It was a really cool experience, like just getting to go through and see things that were actually belonging to those horses. Um, they did a really good job of like recovering all of their trophies and um, all the things so that people can actually get to experience it, which is which is super awesome. Um, it feels like you get to know those horses at a deeper level and it makes it feel real opposed to just being a story. That's right. And, you know, I was kind of as we were going through, uh, we're going through it's like that that corkscrew type hallway you know the one i'm talking about you're slowly gradually going up that ramp and we're reading stuff and that was at first i was like what a cop out you know they've just got stuff up there but and then i realized what i was looking at and it was the chronological history of the horse and we got to one part in a few years there and i was like wait a minute i'm not seeing justin morgan you know or figure morgan's horse or anything like that i remember getting really upset and then all of a sudden, there it was, the Morgan. You guys, he was getting really upset. He was like, where, what, where, where is it? Morgans, Morgans, they got to be here. And then they were, and then he was happy. And then we went full league of mediocre, or excuse me, round table of mediocre horsemen and just started picking on certain things that we saw. We did. Um, and then after you get through the whole historical era and it goes through all of that you enter into the thoroughbred area that he was talking about with all the trophies and all that kind of stuff what was before that was there a was there a breed museum before the thoroughbreds are you um was that the arab no the arab gallery was after that because after it. because i it's thought like we were horse? done yeah they did there's a whole thing on quarter horses in the wild west remember that yes which yeah, is really neat and then there was the little gallery over to the side that was um, um, African-Americans in uh, the, the horse world, essentially, because it covered everything from cowboys to jockeys. Yes. And that was a neat exhibit on, on its own. 
Um, and one of the fascinating things, and I'm going to get to my favorite gallery, and I think Jess will agree it was a very well put together gallery if you like the breed or not, um, is you get so many little tidbits. Like, you know, you look at the big things and then you might miss something little on the wall. And I found so many little things just up on the wall and shadow boxes, stuff like that, that I've got months worth of content I can make on, you know, historical vids like the purse. You know, I've never thought about that. I, I knew it was a thing, but I got a reminder of it. And I'm like, holy crap, that is an awesome video. Um, and then George Washington's horse. Oh, that was one of my favorite stories. I'm so excited for you to do a video on that because I had never heard that story and getting. So if anyone doesn't know. Um, you should tune in to whatever Ryan makes about this video. About it's, it, yep. Every, yep. Everything that you know about George Washington, uh, you see in art. I'm about to flip the script on that when it comes to actually his favorite horse. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be one of those stories. Don't ever count out the old guy. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was so cool getting to learn all those things. And I feel like we could probably go back again and see all and see so many things that we missed exactly it's it's just not possible to take it all in in one day well and they didn't they didn't um they didn't overload you with these giant banners of you've got to sit there and read for 20 minutes no they gave it to you in a very digestible you know amount of words to where you had a picture or an artifact, and they gave you the, the gist of it and just enough detail that kept you intrigued where you want to go learn more about that, which I loved. Yeah, I would agree with that because I could get overwhelmed and then probably want to leave early if that was the case, but I didn't. I just wanted to sit there and be like, ooh, what's the story? Ooh, what's the story? Over yeah. and over and over. Well, and not everyone is a researcher, and museums have a bad habit of wanting to set – you know, their exhibits are set up – between curators and researchers and so both of them are generally super 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 particular when it comes to history and the reason i know is because i've been in that world and so you want to make it for your own kind for those type of people and the average joe just wants they, they just want the talking points they just want you know what would be the sound bite uh lecture of it you know they want the cliff notes they, they don't want to read the whole thing Agreed. But so um, then, oh, go ahead. I was saying then, so then after we go through there, we went through the quarter horses, we went through the thoroughbreds, and then we made it to what I think is one of the coolest exhibits I've ever, horse exhibits I've ever been to. It was honestly one of the coolest exhibits I have ever seen ever because you, when you enter this exhibit, it's almost like the entire dynamic of the museum changes. Where you are in space and time changes, and museums, and for those that are avid museum goers, you know what I'm talking about when you hit that one museum that just takes you away completely from reality because of an exhibit, and that's what they've done, and that is the Arabian Gallery at the International Museum of the Horse. Holy Jesus, you walk into this thing, and it's like you walk through this cave. And there is these flashing lasers on the wall with running horses and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, you are just faced. It's like you're in Arabia with this very disfaced Arab, very quintessential disfaced gray Arab, and this Bedouin. Life size. Life size with this life size Bedouin uh, with him. And in full Bedouin garb, you know, 
holy crap. And then as you go around this whole exhibit, that is the vibe in the whole thing. All the way from like, you know, manger scenes where people, you know, are are bedding down with a, with a, a an Arab uh mare and the foal in this tent. And I mean, you just oh my gosh, it is. And you think you're done, and then all of a sudden you turn and there's more Arab. And there's more and there's more and there's more. And I'm going to be really honest. I am not an Arab person, but I loved, loved, loved the exhibit. I thought it was so captivating. Like, you just get in there and you just feel like you're in a different world. And it makes you just want to learn everything that's in there. And uh, the pictures are are beautiful. Everything, except for the one random picture that we found, were oh, all yeah. these beautiful beautiful arabians and which like i said is not my typical type but man i think that i gained such an appreciation for arabians that i never had before and you get to see something that i try to express to people all the time when people think arabian they think that flared nostril dish faced long back fine bone refined little horse and when you go through that exhibit, you get to see the other builds of Arabs. And there are some very stocky Arabs out there that do not have that overly dish face or anything else. And I remember you looking at one and you're like, wow, I really like that horse. And I'm, well, it's an Arab. It just doesn't look yeah. like your typical Arab. But yeah, the picture think... she's talking about, not 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 to cut you off, I'll <laughs> let you talk about this. The picture we're talking about, it's like this hundred and something year old picture. And obviously it's somewhere in Arabia. And it's the most... Oh ugly, my gosh! It's this horse was terribly. like a. I think exactly <laughs> what I said was this horse was a Monet painting, but it was from even far away. It was ugly. It was off. It was. It was a roach back little. The most roach back animal I've ever seen in my life, with like the tiniest neck and the ugliest head, and I the, was like, the mm, hindquarters. Oh the hindquarters of the same. looks like something Evil Knievel would use to jump a canyon. His ass was so ramped. You must have dog problems. We're leaving that Oh, in. sorry. Did I just see? I thought I muted myself. No, I'm it's sorry. okay. It's all right. Just <laughs> smack him around a little bit. He is. He's just pacing. But I didn't want to be like. Yeah, but it was like the saddest little horse. But then, you know, and I talk about because I have a Quorab. And a lot of people assume that the Arab that is in that horse is this wild-eyed, dish-faced looking thing. And it, it really isn't. And I showed you the type of Arabs that actually go into those horses. And the type of Arabs that went into the quarter horse in the 30s and the 20s that helped refine that breed. Uh, and they're completely different, completely different Arabs than what yeah. most people uh, associate with Arabs. Super fine looking, built like cow horses. Yeah. And then you just keep going and going and going. And then you go down the stairs and there's even more about them. And it was just... I still like i would go back and i keep saying that but i would just go back and do it all again that's how much i enjoyed it and not typically that kind of person no and then you stopped it they have so they have these stations and it's every museum there um that's got tails and jessamine stopped at every station to braid the tails yeah i did i was obsessed i'm i'm a braider that's what i do i like to braid it, it it appeased my ADD mind. I just there was times when I was like halfway through the museum and I was like, oh crap! I came with someone. Where did she go? Yep. <laughs> but 
it it was overall such a cool experience and then after we left after we left the um museum that museum we went over and saw the saddlebred museum which is separate from the international museum of the horse which i enjoyed yeah i enjoyed it too even though i made fun of some of the horses just to get you riled up i am an admirer of the american saddlebred i when i think of gorgeous refined elegant horse that's the first thing that pops in my mind and it is not for you and you're making the gag face right now (laughs) i love those horses i like the way they're put together um and they really are a do anything they're you know good bred saddle breads can go out on a ranch and work cows they can rain they can barrel race they can do english sport you know they can jump they can do dressage i'm you, sure you, that they can you just think I'm they sure. have and i can i can admire a nice one but all the ones that i liked you told me you didn't like they were confirmational nightmares for the breed but they were confirmational beauties for what an average horse looks like. So I really like them. But uh, there was something super cool there in that exhibit, which was they had these stall doors on the wall, and then they projected the screen in the middle. Yes. It was a super cool um, like exhibit just to get to sit and watch and see them be ridden and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I saw maybe on one of your TikTok videos – that someone had posted that they didn't see enough saddlebred stuff in there. And I think they must have just missed the Saddlebred Museum because it's yeah. quiet. And, and the Saddlebred Museum isn't really big. Uh, the I would say two-thirds of it is an art gallery dedicated to the American Saddlebred, and then the other third is actual exhibits. Um, yeah. But it, what you're talking about was really cool because it's like you're looking out sliding barn doors into an open uh, covered arena. And the horses are doing all kinds of you know they're being ridden they're being worked and all like that but it's like you're looking out of the barn into this arena and it is it's one of the coolest projections i think i've i've ever seen yeah and they also had more tails in there they had more tails so while i was looking at stuff you were braiding tails i was which is fine i mean but, you're an adult you're allowed to do whatever you want i did i think i lost you at one point in that museum and i was cool i was you know i was looking at saddlebreds and then they went around, too, and they had, like, all of their tack and stuff hanging on the walls. And it looks like they were putting in a new section of, like, museum stuff in there. Like, a lot more stuff to be able to show, which was yeah, really cool. The, the museum is probably three times bigger than the the gallery that we actually went through, which tells me. And then they had a bunch of construction going on, which tells me that that museum is going to get a lot bigger too. And it, I know somebody told me that the, um, the Morgan association has moved to the Kentucky horse park. So wouldn't surprise me if the other level of that museum became a Morgan museum. Um, and we can only hope. Ryan's going to try to get on the committee to make that Morgan museum. Yeah, so Kentucky Horse Park, if you are listening, my name is J. Ryan Chastain. I'm a historian. Um, I really like Morgans. I would, I've worked in a museum, uh, uh, worked in museums before as a researcher and curator. We, we can make this happen. So, and then after we got to explore all of those things, it was finally time for us to get to um, the pre-beginnings of Road to the Horse. And we got to see, while going through the museums and going to the gift shop, we ran into Craig Cameron, which was really cool. Yeah, so we ran into Craig Cameron. Hanging out. 
Craig's hanging out with his, I think his wife, out out in front of the gift shop of the uh, at the main, I guess the main center there, welcome center to the uh, Kentucky Horse Park. He's just chilling in a chair, drinking a. Uh, it looked like he was eating a snack, which we saw him probably a dozen times over the week there at about every um, food stand that was set up. The I man. The man loves an all-beef hot dog, people. I will tell you that. And he is not <laughs> shy about just patting fo- random folks on the back and shaking their hand going, what's up, cowboy? I and mean, then he's cutting them in line so that he can get his food. He, he, and I admire I, that about I, him. I, I admire that about him. He is, you know, he will pat somebody on the back. How's it going, cowboy? And shake their hand. And they're in awe that Craig Cameron's is walking around. He slowly slips up there and orders that all-beef hot dog. Um, yeah, that was a good hot dog they had, by the way. Yeah, Craig Cameron is a character, and if this, you got to watch him with um, uh, what is the guy does uh, oh my gosh, it says old son, uh, you ain't no cowboy, Dale Brisby. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got to watch Craig Cameron with Dale Brisby talking about uh, what it takes to be a cowboy. Just, I mean, he sounds like Boomhauer with a mouthful of marbles. It is awesome. I love, I do love that man. He has probably forgot more about horse training than most people will ever know. And uh, they made him a focal point there for a little while with the campfire scene. Uh, yeah. So, so we got to actually, that was my first time actually seeing him in person uh, do some horsemanship stuff. So Thursday was all um, clinicians and different people putting on um shows slash clinics um and just kind of learning experiences on thursday because they don't actually pick their horses till friday um so some of the people who were actually in the competition did clinics but uh we got to sit down i think the first one we actually saw was craig cameron um and we got to see him do some horsemanship stuff which i was super duper impressed i i really liked him he was riding a big i think was it a gray stud yeah that he was riding around and just really talking about good general horsemanship and how to get your horses on the hind end and uh, get your get better stops, get better flexion, all the things that anyone in any sport wants to know. Um, which and is, he's and he is one of those people that is this method in the way I won't say he's got a method. I don't think Craig Cameron, in my opinion, has the Cameron method, but he is one of those people that. Um, when he's talking to you, it's like you're talking to an old buddy, even when it's on DVD or online or however you're getting his horsemanship stuff. It, he's like that old cowboy that you meet, you know, at a sale barn that gives you a couple of tips that make sense. Absolutely. And then um, after Craig Cameron, we got to watch um, a lady do a um, thing on positive reinforcement and clicker training with her Mustang, which was pretty cool. Um, we just caught a tidbit of that. And then we also saw, I can't remember the name of that lady. Do you remember? He was teaching proper ways to fall off, which was. I cannot remember that lady. I was very confused halfway through what she was trying to teach. Yeah. Um, I feel like 75% of it I was on board with. And then the other 25% I didn't quite understand. But it's kind of a cool concept that I've never really seen that anyone teach. Yeah. Which is teaching your horse to make sure that your horse knows how to stop and how you know how to, you know, bail off appropriately. 
That's right. You know, like we're taught. In fact, I told that story on TikTok. Somebody asked me about my injury from a few years ago and how I bailed. And how I bailed was I kicked both feet out of the stirrups and let the horse run out from under me. That's not the way you bail off a horse. Um, and what she was actually teaching was teaching your horse to understand that you are bailing and that you wrap up around the horse's neck and let that be a cue to the horse to slow down or stop that you've lost your balance and you're coming off. And I, I love it. It's not something most people really think about teaching their horse. Um, and there is there's a place for that. I like that because most of the time when you come off a horse, it, it's it's head first, you know, over the shoulder of the horse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then. I'm trying to think what else we got to see that day. We got, and then Thursday we just spent a lot of time seeing vendors. Um, well, so on, but they did the, uh, so they did the whole campfire thing and it was Double Dan and Craig, Craig Cameron. No, that was, um, that was Thursday. Or was it Friday? It was Friday. It was Friday. Was Friday. Cause okay. that was in between, cause that was in between the, so Thursday was all just a regular clinician. So, we wrapped that up, just went around and visited all the vendors and stuff. And then Friday, um, each of the competitors had a little um, show off, you would say, quote unquote, show off of like their skills on one of their top horses. And so that's when they had the campfire and they were introducing some of the people who were showing, they introducing all the competitors, but also introducing the people who did the opening ceremonies I had a combined driving team, which was awesome to watch. If you've never oh seen combined gosh. driving, check that out. Uh, the Percherons from Ohio. Yeah. They uh, had. Um, they also had the drill team. The so drill team. There were these three girl. Three of the girls that were in the clinic, the falling off clinic, were in the drill team, which was which was super duper cool. Um, the drill team was. They were incredible, in my opinion. I mean. Uh, you and definitely they were and we fell in love with a couple of little horses. I didn't mean to interrupt you on this. Oh, no, thing. we did. Oh, my gosh, that Tennessee Walker, which is not my typical, Mine not either, my typical but breed. But if she told me, hey, you could have this horse today for five or six grand, I would go to the bank. I'd buy that horse for five or six grand. I don't need a Tennessee Walker. That was he's the most forgiving little thing. And he was pace for pace with everybody else. And he could he could sit there and rack with the best of them with them hind and legs walking could, and then then step out, up to a canner. Yeah, he could out lope some of those quarter horses. Had a beautiful at, lope. Beautiful. So soft and light. Uh, but man, those girls killed it all weekend. And your um, little paint. That little dumpy paint. I am obsessed with that. There was the derpiest little paint. I, I say derpy, not not picking on the paint. He was just derpy. He, he was he was he, worn out could, before he got in there. You could tell that he had probably been a pleasure horse back in his day because all he wanted to do is drop his little head and pull from the front and just kind of lope around. And you could tell that little girl was having to kick and kick and kick. And all these other horses are trying to zoom away. And he's just like, boom, 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 All around the arena. And Running around like Eeyore. That horse home. And then the funny part is he always ended up being flanked by that appy. Always. Always. And that appy is just boot scooting across there. And he's just, he's got his head down. Just his, that chin is almost in the dirt dragon. <laughs> he's just, he's like, okay, whatever you want me to do. So the drill team kicked it, and these are these are teenage girls. They're like teenage girls. These are like 
you know, 13, 14, 15 year old girls. Some of them maybe even younger than that, right? Yeah, I'd say it's probably a, a pretty good. I would say they probably range anywhere from like 12 to 17 or 18. I mean, it just yeah. kind of depends on, on the girl, but um, man, they rode every day. They rode Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and their drill team was, I would say, every bit of 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. And they're loping the whole time. And, oh, yeah. I mean, those girls have those horses in shape, and they were really impressive. I uh, I liked their horsemanship. I liked um, the drills that they made were really interesting. They were different every day. Um, it was a lot to remember, but, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't spot a you know, a mess up or a big problem or anything like that. And that takes a lot of, a lot of time and dedication. And I feel like every time we drove in or out or went riding around or something, we always saw them practicing in the outdoor. Yeah. Uh, They were dedicated young ladies. And, you know, one thing I, I heard somebody around us talking about their spacing, but I don't think they understand how equestrian drill teams work is that you're, you're dealing with a thousand pound animal and yeah, one's going to be two or three feet maybe away from the other one too far. That's just going to happen. And I don't even yeah. think I don't even think when they judge you, they're really docking you that hard when the spacing is within that close. Those girls were amazing, and I don't know who that was near us, but you can shut your trap. They were outstanding. You can shut your trap. We love those girls. They did awesome. <laughs> so and then they did this. Uh, so on Friday, um. They opened up with um, this. It was really cool because they did this like campfire thing. And it was Craig Cameron and Double Dan and Dan James. And uh, I'm trying to who, think who else was there. Um, I don't think I really knew any of the other people there by name. No. Um, but they were really good storytellers. They were really good storytellers. And what they would do is they would tell a story and everybody else around the campfire would be like, it was like cowboys around a campfire. And one would say, well, you know, I saw this this time. They go, no, you didn't. Hold on. I'll prove it. And then all of a sudden here, this act would come out, you know, combined driving and then the Percherons. And then um, there were some uh, at Liberty horses um, that came out, just all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. They had, they had all sorts. Yeah. They did have a Liberty horse competition on Thursday. That's another thing that we saw. And so some of those people stayed as clinicians. Um, and then, yeah, so they did all of those things as opening ceremonies. And then they brought us, brought in the competitors one by one. And they got to show off kind of their skills with their, you know, already their their bro courses. You know, the ones that they, these are the ones that they take in clinic on and that kind of stuff. And, man, that was the day that I fell in love with Glenn Stewart. Yeah, I uh, think. We all fell in love with Glenn Stewart. I feel like everyone was just like in awe. Like the other clinicians were really great. Um, Brandy had a little tough time on her uh, Palomino horse. Um, he wasn't quite wanting to cooperate too much, um, but she did the right thing and schooled the horse and uh, got him going. And then, and then we'll, I'll fast forward a little bit about that Palomino horse because if you don't know about the Lions family, that's that's dad's business that daughter got into and, and boosted along and we saw how that horse did when dad got a hold to it on sunday yeah and dad doesn't play stuff too which i think helped um so then i think brandy came in first and then it was uh mike 
lines or no. Mike uh, sorry Mike Major Mike Major um he came in on his horse did a little raining pattern which was super cool and I was like hmm, who's this guy uh, yeah. and that kind of piqued my interest Pat Pirelli came in and did his thing um and then Glenn I love how you put that Pat Pirelli came in and just did his thing yeah he I'll just he, I'll leave it at that he hemmed it up said some words and everybody was happy when he left. Except for the people yeah. that right next to us with a big Pat Pirelli fly. Yeah. His horse was bracy against the snaffle and did his thing. I mean, he made it move around and kicked his ball around and did his thing, but uh, I wasn't super duper impressed. Um, and then Glenn Stewart came in and he is literally loping leg yields or loping side passes. And what were the horses that he had? He had Lusitanos. Lusitanos. Holy yeah. Jesus. He had oh two of gosh. them. Yeah, I think he started off. Didn't he start off? At he started Liberty? off with he started off with both of them at Liberty. Yeah. And then he parked one in the center and he started doing the way that him and his horse moved together and like the harmony that they had together and how light his horse was and just so incredibly responsive. I was like, who is this guy, and why have I never heard of him? Um, and you could see him down there with his horse smiling when he pet his horse, and he gave um, his horse a big old kiss, and you could tell those are his buddies. Like, he yeah. is a horseman. That is a horseman. And um, I just fell in love with Glenn Stewart. Oh, uh, me too. And I fell in love with him more and more throughout the whole weekend. I did uh, too. As the weekend went on, the more I was like, man – I want to be like that guy. And who am I to critique trainers? I'm a nobody, but for some reason, you know, that's what we all do. It's, we're we're going to be our we're, own little we're trainers up in the stands, and we just decide yeah. that we know. But um, I can't say that there's a lot of people that I've watched that I've agreed with literally almost every single thing they did, and that's how I felt about Glenn Stewart. I was like, I was either like, wow, I never really thought of that. Or, oh, wow, like, really good job doing X, Y, or Z. And like, well, and here's the thing about that, and not to interrupt you, is we were so focused on Glenn Stewart that we were missing what Mike was doing over there. And all of a sudden, Mike's got his horse saddled. Yes, it was crazy. But we, so like, we got to get there, though. So we got to yeah, get we, there. The four sixes horses come into the arena. So I'll let you take it from there. So, yeah, the four, the four sixes horses come into the arena. Uh, they chat a little bit while they move around, and then uh, each competitor has one minute on the floor, moving around in the herd with these horses. So these are all three-year-old. These are all three-year-old horses um, who were halter broke when they were foals, but then turned out on the ranch for three years unhandled. Um, haven't had a halter on since. So all these horses are down in the arena. They give them a couple minutes to settle in. Uh, all the competitors watch from the stage, and then they each get one minute apiece. Uh, Brandy Lyons went first, and she walked through and picked this little red roan mare. Who, and honestly, in my cold, opinion, sorry. Yeah, and in my and in my opinion, was probably the best horse there to start with. Agreed. Uh, that horse was incredible. I love the way it was built. I love the way it moved. Everyone that was around us agreed. Um, man, we were all really drawn to that horse and we really liked it. Um, and then Pat went second, I think. Yeah, yeah Pat, Pat, Pat went second. Pat went P second. 
pick bay number horse. 11 and uh i forgot what that horse. little bay horse i forget that horse name nice little horse though nice little horse i love the way that was built um that was actually my number that well the room was my number one pick the bay was my number two pick um and i think mike major went next and mike Glenn major was, went next pick picked the little blondie he picked a little blondie uh he said he was gonna go for the blonde and yeah. uh was a good choice for him usually a lot you know if i am in a group of horses and i'm just going on what i'm seeing alone usually if there's a pally i'm gonna look away um and, and the reason being is because the color is going to draw you to that horse so you got to look away from that horse and you will overlook things because of color and uh but mike was not scared just to go in there and go i'll take the big flashy palomino yeah he was definitely one of the biggest out there too um not that was a, that was that, a big horse. Yeah, not the horse that I would have picked because of who I am as a person. But man, that horse turned out to be really nice. There I was mean, a little buckskin. Yeah, there's a little buckskin that was built great, and I watched that horse follow with its eyes every competitor as they looked, and I'm like, I'd be picking the little buckskin. And but I'm not them. I don't exactly. have to, you know. Just, we give Pat Perley crap. We don't even have the experience that Pat Perley has exactly and uh you know he's 10 times more horseman than i'll probably ever be even though i don't really like the guy but and i'm sorry pat if, for the certain amount of money you can sponsor this podcast i will i will i will be whatever you need me to be sir but anyway the i will totally sell out for his money but the uh i'm joking no he's not <laughs> but so but the, the the funny thing is is we're not those people so they know more about what we're looking at than 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 we do. Yeah, and the, everyone has their own training styles too, which are going to fit different horses better. Yeah, so I don't mean anything bad about the Palomino. I think it turned out to be a great horse, and for Mike's training style, it turned out to be the perfect horse. That's right. Um, so then, last but not least, Glenn Stewart got to go, and he picked my number my number three horse that I would have chosen to a big, beautiful, chromy chestnut gelding named and, metallic and, rapper out of metallic cat oh uh, gorgeous gorgeous horse um actually ended up being a lot more reactive and kind of tense than i would have thought it was going to be um just by how it moved with the herd was totally different to me yeah. than what it how it was in the ring but man glenn did an awesome job with that horse and that horse over the course of the weekend and i know we'll get there absolutely fell in love with glenn Oh, it absolutely did. Um, so then to go off of that, after all the competitors, uh, they shoot their horses. After they run their muta around, uh, everyone leaves, and then they set up the arena. So when they set up the arena, um, they set up four round pins, and all the competitors got the same exact obstacles. Um, they've got pool noodles on this thing that kept pool noodles standing up. They got a tarp. They got a box for it to stand on. Um, uh, PVC pipe for logs. PVC pipe for logs. And, and a ball. And whatever equipment that they wanted for themselves. Yeah, they could um, bring, what, two things? Oh, I and think, they all got a ball. Yeah, they all they got they a ball. All, they all got the exact same stuff. So they all got their rope halters, their whips, their flags, and their their saddles um they could have a and then whatever kind of bridle that they wanted um and they could most, pick 
two teaching uh, apparatus of their choosing on top of what they were given. Okay. Um, and then I'm trying to think. They each had one helper apiece, um, and they all had a rope as well. <laughs> um, and don't underestimate the power of that rope in the round pen. I, I, you see that firsthand at Road to the Horse. Absolutely. So then they corral the horses in into their pens, and then each competitor gets an hour and 45 minutes on day one to work that horse. Um, man, it was such, it was so cool getting to see these people interact with these horses for the first time. They're all agitated because, you know, the horses are agitated because they're taken away from their herd mates and everything. But getting to watch these people, um, getting to watch these trainers just take those horses who aren't even really halter broke anymore and turn them into these awesome, awesome. Yeah. I, and I liked what um, what Pat did uh, off the bat. He introduced a saddle horse right off the bat into the round pen, which you can do. You can bring in a saddle horse. Um, and they, he brought in a saddle horse right off the bat and worked his horse from a saddle horse. Um, and he was pretty methodic about it, um, you know. And then you've got Glenn down there um, doing his, you know, best Buck Brenneman impression um with this cult and or or durant's impression with this cult and i'm you know my jaw is just dropping watching just how he's interacting with this thing brandy looked like she had frustrations right off the bat and her frustrations seemed like they carried uh over the course of all three days yeah um i agree with what you just said so you know watching her i'm not I would like to, I wish that we got to hear on that first day more of what was going through their brain when they were doing what they were doing. Because um, maybe she had a different approach than what we realized that what she was doing. But from my perspective, it kind of looked like she was giving some big signals, um, you know, just kind of pushing the horse, cutting it off, but was very much in the horse's space opposed from Glenn, who was you know, he stayed pretty centered in the middle of his round pen and really giving that horse the cues that they needed, um, giving pressure and releasing and trying to draw that horse into him, opposed from trying to catch that horse or pin it against the wall or, you know, to get the halter on. Um, And then he was actually the first to mount his horse bareback from the ground while everybody else was waiting to work up to the saddle. Glenn Stewart sees something that I guess nobody else saw. He starts rubbing on that horse's back, and he's thinking, no, he's laying across that horse's back. Then the next thing I know, he's got a lead rope in his hand, and he's astride the horse, kicking yeah. his feet around. Yeah, he was, he, you know, he started off jumping on either side, um, and then he got himself leaned over it. And so what he said his approach was from the beginning was just trying to take the the flight away from that horse. And really, I mean, he spent a lot of time just rubbing all over that horse, trying to get his self, um, what did he say, his self-preservation down. You know, he didn't want that horse to feel like it had to uh, run away from him or, you know, take care of himself. And so I think by taking that extra, what some people would have seen as extra, you know, 
um, waste of time by just sitting there and like rubbing all over the horse instead of getting to move his feet and push him around. He really got that horse ready for him to get on his back. And so yeah. uh, way ahead of the other competitors. He... Well, and I think what happened and not to cut you off, I, I think what happened is everybody else went into competition mode. Glenn Stewart's never competed that way. Glenn Stewart was still in horse trainer mode. Yeah. And Glenn Stewart was in horse trainer mode the whole weekend. Absolutely. But um, I feel like Mike Major was on the opposite side of us. And we were just so, like, drawn into Glenn. And then also watching Pat, because he was doing some different stuff, and watching Brandy, that we kind of missed Mike. And then all and, of a sudden there's this round of applause, and we look, and Mike's sitting on his horse. Yeah. With a saddle. They won. saddle. Yeah, and, and like, Mike, right away, man, he, I think he was the first one to get a halter on. He was. Um, yeah, Mike is the first one to get a halter on, and the second he got that halter on, he is rubbing tarps all over his horse. He was pushing his horse, you know, like, really getting his horse to move and doing all these things and, like, just exposing his horse to as much as possible. Yeah. And I love how humble, I love how humble he is, because when they oh, asked, yes. when they asked Mike about his you know, his methodology and all like this. And Mike's answer is just, I'm just an old cowboy. I'm just an old cowboy. I'm just and, an old cowboy. And I, and I love that. And it shows in him. Now, and we say old. Mike's probably in his 70s. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it was it was super duper cool. We got to watch him. Um, we got to watch him get that horse exposed to as much as possible. And. For me, I was kind of like, wow, he's asking for a lot fast, but we have to think that they only have, you know, an hour and 45 minutes that day to get as much done as humanly possible, um, which is pretty cool. And then um, something that was actually pretty impressive is uh, Pat, not, not long after the other two got their halters on, Pat got his horse haltered from the horse he was sitting on. So Pat actually roped his horse and moved his horse off the line while on his finished horse. And he got to watch that horse move around and um, all that kind of stuff on the end of the rope. But then he actually side passed over to that horse and got the halter on from, for the first time from the back of his saddle horse, um, which was super duper, which was actually really impressive. Um but then he ended up struggling quite a bit after getting off that saddle horse and then being one-on-one -on -one with that horse in the arena. He struggled quite a bit trying to get that horse to connect to him and not worry about that saddle horse being out of the arena. Um, and then we fast forward over to Glenn, who by the end he had his horse saddled too. I think Mike was on his horse first, but Brandy, man, she was on very shortly after. Um, Glenn and Brandy, I think, were saddled and getting on and off around the same time as the other, which is pretty cool. Um, and and just seeing how those horses accepted that, you know, in the in their first moments. But the only one who got a real ride that day, uh, Brandy and Glenn both sat on their horses, but the only one who got a real ride that day was Mike Major. Um, well, he got a he got a. Uh... It got pretty western with him for a second too, and we could not see him because his back was to us. But the announcers are going. The crazy thing is, is uh, the old man is deaf and he's smiling the whole time that thing turned full brunt with him. 
Yeah. And he got a, a few good steps, and then that horse bronked off a little bit. And Ryan and I talked about that right afterwards. And, you know, what do you what do you do in that situation? Because at that time, they only had, what, like less than 10 minutes left? Yeah. They had less than 10 minutes left. And, you know, Ryan Ryan said, well, you know, if it were me, I might I might have gotten off and, you know, worked him some more on the ground after riding him through it got you know took more time to work them on the ground but then we sat back and thought about the situation and how much time was left and that was kind of a fight that he had to he had to fight then he didn't have time to get off and get back on no 10 minutes left they had to he had to get through it and kind of uh make a point with that horse otherwise he the horse would have lost it and he may have had a terrible uh, time the next day getting on the horse that's right so. and yeah and at the end of day one um you know we're we're looking and and in my opinion it it the the points dis- distribution at the end of day one were right and as much as we wanted you know we thought glenn stewart got shorted a little bit it was honestly right you had mike major sitting in first place brandy lyons in second glenn stewart in third and Pat Burley bringing up the rear. And in my opinion, that was 100% right after day one. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Mike was the only one with a real ride. Did you say, who was in second? Was it Brandy? Or- Brandy was in second day one. Brandy was in second. And, man, her horse was just so accepting. Um, and I think that she might have gotten a couple walk-off steps, but um, her horse was moving around real nice with the saddle on and all that kind of stuff. Um, Glenn was in third, and I agree that that's probably where he should have been because of how much he got done. But I really don't think that he would have been, he could not have successfully done more with that horse that day. He was not. It would have blown his brain. You know, and that's one of the things I really like about Glenn is Glenn could have probably been right there step for step with Mike Major. I don't think Glenn, uh, as a horseman, would have allowed himself to do that. Yeah, and I I think if he had a different horse, it might have been another story. But the horse that he had, I feel like was his his brain capability was kind of fragile, in my opinion. Yeah. Like you could have blown that horse up really, really easy if you pushed him too far, um, and it probably would have become dangerous. You know, it, it took a while for that horse to settle in and really, um, really connect with glenn and allow him to do the things that he wanted to because he was getting real bracy and glenn would just take that extra second and automatically that horse would soften and then at the end of the day pirelli i don't know if he did he get on his horse day one i don't think he got on his horse day one i think he went without a ride he did saddle he introduced his horse to the saddle, but he had some frustrations once he got to the ground off his saddle horse working with that horse. Um, and he went a little old school, which I like that approach. He, he, he felt that, you know, I'm not going to knock him for what he did. Um, I felt like Pat did the right thing when he come off his saddle horse, went into the uh, round pen to work his horse and realized that that horse was not accepting at the level that he had expected he just started over as a horseman on the ground at that point and that really set him behind and that was really the reason why he was in last place had nothing to do that with pat being a crappy trainer or anything like that we're not saying that he just had to start over um starting that colt because 
none of the, the the saddle horse technique that he used actually took with that horse in my opinion yeah and i think that from what it seemed and it may not be this at all but from what it seemed is that i think by the time he got off his saddle horse got this horse saddled and was trying to work him on the ground and then he was starting to be bracy against you know the line in yeah. general i wonder i kind of wonder what pat was feeling when he looked at the clock and realized how much time he had left. Yeah. And I think that it kind of got a little bit jumbled. So then he started working with the ball and some other stuff. And I think that, um, I, I mean, in that situation, I'm not sure what I would do either. Yeah, I, I think, think that, I really think that, in my opinion, I think he did the smart thing, which was, we're just going to work on basics. The clock is against us right now, and we're going to get you comfortable, horse. You know, because that's really all you can do. And I have to say, I, I like the approach that he took. There was a couple of angles he could have took there. Um, he could have pushed and just seen how far he could have pushed that horse and could have very easily fried that horse. Um, and those horses are – the way that they're training these horses is they have basically three hours and 50 minutes total over the course of three days. If you fry that horse, you are screwed you're not going to get that horse undone. Yeah. And man, that was, that little horse of Pat's was a, was a bullheaded spicy little thing too. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know? I have no complaints with any of, and I'll be the first to tell you, I have no complaints with Pat Pirelli as a horseman, other than a little bit of hamming up the way he started his cult. He just got a little spicy cult that was bullheaded. He tried his normal methodology and it backfired a little bit, and he had to start over, and the clock beat him. Yeah, absolutely. So that wrapped up day one, um, and I'll let you take day two because I wasn't. I had my students at a horse show, so I didn't get to. I didn't get to see as much as I was really hoping to see. No, so we met up with the rest of the crew uh, on day two, um, Lauren and I, I forget everyone. And Kate Ray. And Ray. Um, so we met up with the crew. Um, I got, um, at one point five or six in a row of my followers, my fans, I guess I would say fans is probably a very strong word, um, came up to pictures of me, which that happened on day one at the end of the day too. Uh, I got started in the parking lot and the horn blown at me like twice. I don't know how I feel about that. So, um, no, I love it. It's fine. I felt like a minor celebrity. Um, ran into Craig Cameron again, getting a hot dog, like, you know, like Craig Cameron does. Uh, no, actually he was getting a pretzel and asking for cheese this time. I, I don't know how that man stays slim and then it looks like he's got a 28 inch waist eating the way he does at his age. But you know what? He must work it off. Um, day two started with opening ceremonies, drill team, all of that stuff. Um, but we've covered that. So day two, the, um, the uh, the clinicians rotate our cult starters rotate um, so they're in different areas of the arena and so where we were looking at Glenn Stewart and Brandy Lyons um, on day two we were looking at Pat Pirelli and Glenn Stewart correct correct and that put Actually, Mike I wasn't there so I yes yeah so they rotated that way so we get to see a little bit more of Pat work. And I really get to see day two. Um, again, it's an hour and 45 minutes on the clock. And I really got to see um, 
the points where Pat was struggling. And that was there was a huge gap uh, between saddle and just being halter broke. There was a huge gap there. Uh, Brandy got a ride in, um, even got her horse to lope in the round pin, which I thought was awesome. Um, and they got to actually go out of the uh, Brandy, uh, Pat, and Mike Major actually got to go out of their round pins and utilize the rest of the ends of the arena, which is awesome. Pat Pirelli, uh, it got a little Western on him at one point with that little bullheaded colt that he had. Uh, it's funny, he lost his hat, and we realized that, man, that he's, at his age, he's still got a full head of hair. I'm jealous. Um, and uh, horse didn't buck too much because if you know anything, that's a whole lot of Pat Pirelli. Pat Pirelli's a big man, but I tell you who's a bigger man. Glenn Stewart. Glenn Stewart is a whole honking side of Canadian bacon. That is a big yeah. man. I would say he's ever been a 6'5". Yeah, I and, would say. I mean, and you don't even realize it from – his colt was pretty big. You don't realize how big of a man he is from the seats. But when we got to see him in person, like right next to him, we were like, oh, he's a he's a big guy. And he's a lot younger than I thought he was. Yeah. He looks like he's in his 40s, maybe 50s. And I had him pegged as a 50, 60-year-old man, you know, and not. But that is a big man. I would say he's 6'4", 6'5", 270, 260. Yeah. And uh, just a big, broad shoulder. Offensive lineman, you know, at the college level size. Yeah. He's a a big man. Uh, Or, or, you know, I've seen tight ends his size. Like, he's a big guy. But anyway, his horse got a little western with him, but he did not utilize the – he never took his horse out of the round pen, and I kind of felt bad because I was thinking he was going to be way behind going into day three. Um, Brandy voiced some frustrations day two uh, with her horse. I and Brandy think, Brandy was the only one that rode in a bridle, right? Yep, so she put that horse uh, in a snaffle bit. Um and she had and i'm sure she had her reasoning so i'm not gonna backseat horse trainer that i'm sure she saw something in her horse at that point in time that made her feel like that was the right idea but she was the only one to actually ride her horse in a bridle everyone else rode bridleless you know in a in a rope halter essentially um but yeah, so th- and that was pretty much day two. Uh, so the standings at day two again, and and you know, and the thing is, is the meanwhile while we're focusing on all this stuff going on, there's Mike Major plucking away. He is plucking away at that loping pretty little Palomino over, horse. He is loping his horse, his horse, horse around. He yeah he he's he's got this car wash of pool noodles, and he just lopes his horse through it, you know. And I'm like this this horse was started yesterday. You know, and I'm dropping stuff, but it it blew my mind because you look up at the last minute clock, stick it down. So, you know, they're, they're, you look over there at what everybody's doing and there's Mike Major. And he just got his he's got his horse looking like a finished horse over there. So at the end of the day, too, the uh, it never it our standings never changed. It was Mike Major in first, Brandy Lyons in second, Glenn Stewart in third and Pat Pirelli in, in last. So day three, I'll let you take. Day three was such a cool experience. So um, again, they had the opening ceremony. So we got to see all of the um, 
people for the last time that have been kind of showing off all day. And then as the competition started, we had um, each. So each competitor had 20 minutes in the round pen to work their horse before going out into the competition ring. Um, so the round pen is set up in the competition ring, but they had to um, did 20 minutes in the round pen to get saddled and everything in little warm up. And then going from there, they had what? 34 minutes. I think something like that. I can't remember. I think it was 35, maybe 35 minutes. They had 35 minutes and that is to get their horse used to being out in the arena and all these things, they have all these obstacles set up. They had to stay around the outside of the ring. They couldn't go in between the obstacles. Um, and then they have to declare, they had two cones set out on either side of the arena. They had to declare their walk, declare their trot, declare their canter, uh, both directions for when they wanted to be judged for those things. Um, and then they also had to do a 180 each direction. They had to get... Um, they had to mount and dismount their horse. They were judged on that. They were also judged on picking up all four of their horse's feet and leading I have to their say, horse 40 yards. I have to say, picking up the feet, everybody else half-assed it. Because all they had to do was cue the horse and the horse pick his foot off the ground. For those that don't know, Glenn Stewart is a farrier by trade. Yes. Glenn Stewart actually picked his horse's feet up, cradled it, and took his hand and brushed the hooves because you could hear it through his lapel microphone. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. So, and then after they go through all of that, then they had, I think, 13 obstacles. So they had to weave some really big poles. Then they went through that. They had to walk through this little zigzag of standing tall poles. Then they had a pinwheel set up of raised ground poles that they had their horse had to walk over both directions moving from there they had to jump or they had to go over a tarp and then they had to jump three jumps um in a row then they had to swing a rope from their horse and then they had to pull this little jeep that had a stuffed unicorn in it from there they had to go around open a gate walk around this little area they had set up and then out the gate. They had to open and close the gate from their horse. Um, then from there. They had a gate. Did you just say the gate? Yeah, that was the gate. Okay. From the gate they had, what was, oh, they had a, it was like a kind of a ramp that they had to walk up. Oh yeah, the ramp. Um, and it had a flat piece like a bridge and then it had a ramp. That came up, so they were trying to go all the way over it. And then from the ramp, they went over to the last piece, which was to raise the flag. Yeah, which is a so, which is a kind of a spooky thing for a horse that's only three days started. Is you raise this banner with a string while mounted. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And in my opinion, Glenn Stewart's horse did the best out of out of all of them. Yeah, uh, but and due to they, points, they also had. They also had at the end something special that they wanted to do. So I'm trying to think who went. Uh, Pat Pirelli went first, and he completed. He did complete all the obstacles, um, completed everything. He had some trouble picking his horse's feet up. Um, his horse got a little western on him a few times and kind of shot out from underneath him. I mean, he stayed on, and his horse yeah. was rearing up a little bit. But he, 
Um, he did complete all the obstacles and his extra piece, which is pushing the ball around. That's right. Um, Brandy Lyons went next. And and uh, I felt kind of, you know, I knew Brandy was having some frustrations, but I kind of felt bad for Brandy when it came time for the obstacles with her horse. Yeah, her, her horse did really good on all of the uh, groundwork, you know, the walk trot canner riding, uh, picking up its feet, those kinds of things. It it did really well. Um, but I think that Brandy really struggled with her her horse's forward button was kind of broken. Um, so trying to get her horse to go forward over all the obstacles just took a lot of time. And so unfortunately she ran out of time and was and I, not able to And complete. I think I think that snaffle had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I I would agree. I, I I think, in my opinion, I probably, it seemed to be a pretty chill accepting horse and it didn't yeah. have a problem with the brakes. So if it were me, I probably would have kept it in a rope halter and maybe her forward button would have been better. But uh, man, at the end of the day, the first competition ever, though. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she made the decision to go with the snaffle and she stuck to her guns. And yes. I admire that. And she goes, you know what? Either we're going to make or break it. We done made this decision. And it wasn't like she had time to go back and acclimate that horse into riding in a whole ro- rope halter again because she had done 90% of her riding with that horse in the snaffle at that yeah. point. And so just you- a reminder, these horses literally are only worked for three hours and 50 minutes total. Yeah, they have three hours and 50 minutes over the course of three days, and then they run an obstacle course. An obstacle course three. that... I I have a a little half Morgan that is dead broke, and I would struggle with that obstacle course with her. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, so unfortunately, Brandy didn't get to finish. Which I, if if Brandy would have gotten to finish all the obstacles, I genuinely believe that she would have been in third place. Um, because man, her horse was really nice. Even at the end of the day, if I had to buy one of those horses, it would have been that little round of brandies because I love that little horse. And then send it to Glenn Stewart, let him finish it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then last but not least, Glenn or not last, sorry, Glenn Stewart went third. Um, and you know he uh, he was the only other one. Um, him and Pat were the only two that completed all the obstacles in order and did their extra piece at the end. And then Glenn's was almost like, you know, you're dealing with a young horse. There's young horse quirks going on. Of course, they're going to get a little sideways. It's going to get a little Western. They're going to rear. You're going to fight them a little bit, you know. Um, Glenn almost did his effortlessly. And that shocked me considering he did not take his horse out of the round pen in day two. He did not have a ride outside in that arena with that horse day two. And was able to pull that off. And again, hat completely off to Glenn Stewart. Again, another person who's first time competing. Um, relatively newer trainer. Um, yeah. D- d- Glenn, if you're listening, holy crap. We were blown away. And his, um, so Pat's extra thing was pushing, he pushed his big Pirelli ball around with his horse. And his horse kept trying to lay down on it, which was kind of funny. Um but Glenn's final thing that he did was he cracked, he had his horse standing still in the middle of the arena, cracking his bullwhip while riding this horse. And the horse is standing 100% 
completely still as he's going crack 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 crack. Oh yeah, crack. he he's making a good good hunting pony right there. That horse is gonna go on somebody. He'd be a great mounted shooting horse. Uh, that would be awesome. Have a metallic cat bred mounting shooting horse. Yeah. Or have a metallic cat bred horse that you hunt hogs on or something. And I actually um saw a Facebook live of Glenn after the competition and. The four sixes actually offered that horse to Glenn, and he's trying to decide if he, you know, logistics on taking it because that horse would obviously have to ride in a trailer from Texas all the way up to Canada. It's, he doesn't um, fly. We found that out. Yeah, he doesn't like to fly because he likes to travel with his horses. Um, but man, that would be kind of cool. Um, so he's he is considering taking that colt, which is which would be really cool. Cause I would love Glenn that. would be love the person perfect person for that colt. I do um, too. He doesn't match Glenn's other horses, but still could be a pretty cool horse. And and Glenn seems like uh, Glenn seems like when he works with a horse, a little piece of his heart belongs to that horse, and the horse's heart to Glenn. And it's almost like you know he's just he's just racking his brain and twiddling his fingers right now, trying to figure out I want this horse. Absolutely. I gotta, get, I gotta get I gotta get my buddy. I gotta get rapper back up to Canada. <laughs> you gotta get him up there. And then uh, last but not least, we got to watch Mike Major go through. Um and Mike did end up completing all the obstacles. Um, not in order. He had to go back to the that tarp uh it had white writing in the middle of it, it said platinum in the middle of it, and none of the horses got it. And to be honest, I really thought that Mike was going to have an easier time blowing through those obstacles than he did. Um, I mean, he did a fantastic job. Don't get me wrong, but because of how forward his horse was, I thought that he would have had an easier time. Um, and that just goes to show that you can't, you can't predict anything in, oh, no. in the world of horses, but um, he, I mean, he got right to it. And started getting his things done, but we did not get to see his extra piece. He did not get to do his extra, whatever his, whatever it was going to be Yeah. at the end. But, uh, and when it was all said and done at the end, um, it would be Mike Major in first, who would win the day, followed by Glenn Stewart, Pat Perelli, and then Brandy Lyons. And I'm I'm wholeheartedly uh, convinced that just because Mike had accumulated so many points the first two days when they added those points from uh, from day three, it just kept him at the top. Um, because in my person, and, and I know it's going to sound biased because we have this, this bromance with, with Glenn Stewart going on right now. Um, Glenn Stewart stole day three. Yes, I would he agree. stole the final round. Glenn Stewart showed that he is a horseman, and he doesn't need but three hours and fifty minutes, and he'll make you a hell of a horse. I'd like to see what Glenn Stewart could do in sixty days with a horse. I'd like to see what Glenn Stewart could do in three days, where he got to work a horse more than an hour and forty-five minutes, work a oh, horse yeah. a couple times a day. You know what I mean? And so that was your that was your final lineup was. Mike Major went home with the $70,000, the gold buckle, and a saddle. And then Glenn Stewart in second, which, you know, I am okay with. Um, and I hope Glenn Stewart is back uh, at Road to the Horse because I see him taking that check and that buckle home one day um, back to British Columbia. Um, 
Brandy uh, ended up in last place, Pat Perley in third, uh, which, and if you look how it all shook out, made perfect sense. Um, you know, Pat on day three had the better horse. Um, Pat's horse was a character. Um, it, it you could was tell he was, but he handled it well. He did. You could tell that horse had a brain and, you know, um, it just needed to be harnessed and you don't have enough time to really get in that horse's brain in the allotted time that they have to work these horses. And, uh, if Pat ends up with that horse or something, I'm sure Pat will make a great horse out of it. Um, uh, I'd much rather see Glenn Stewart take the horse, but still. Um, that's another thing too. Like, man, can we just have like a two week competition where these, where these people work those horses for three days, see what they can get done in three days. And then the next three days, someone else works that horse. I want to see all these horses be worked by different people. I think that would just be so cool. Oh, what I would love to see is you set them up somewhere. I don't know. You could set them up. You could take them to the four sixes. The four sixes has enough room. Take them to Guthrie and take all of our competitors over the weekend and let them rotate those horses and yeah give them give them a full three day sun up sundown i just want to move um to british columbia and live at glenn stewart's ranch and that, soak everything that that man knows into my brain he i just uh, want to know i want to know all the things that he knows and he built that ranch with his bare two hands yep that's that's it if glenn stewart had a cult i would join it yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think they're forming one, and uh, as soon as the applications are out, I'm going to get it. So for all the people in the Pirelli cult, don't, don't worry, we're coming for you. Team <laughs> team, team Teal is coming. Team Teal, we're coming for you. Glenn and looked good in that teal shirt, didn't he? He did look good in that teal it, shirt. Well, it wasn't really teal. It was more like mint, aquamarine. It was more like a mint green. That's a whole lot of man and a whole lot of green. They, it they, was. They cut that man's shirts in acreage, not yardage. So, yeah, Glenn, you have got you you made a lot of fans. Everybody like watching two here. major ones right two here. Two major ones. We are we are groupies. Um, yeah, and 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 in all honesty, I know I know we're you know cutting up a little bit. If you we knew nothing of Glenn Stewart, I did not. I knew all the other competitors other than Glenn Stewart, and I didn't give Glenn Stewart a second thought. I'm like, who's that guy? You know, I you know when you're in that world, you you know you've heard the name Mike Major, you've heard of the Lions family. Um, and everybody knows Pat Pirelli. Um, love him or hate him, no matter what side of the fence that you're on about Pat Pirelli, you've heard of Pat Pirelli. Nobody knew who the hell uh, Glenn Stewart was. Yeah, and maybe not nobody. Maybe we've been living under a rock, but like I was, I was incredibly impressed. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I know more about Carson James yes. than I do than I do Glenn Stewart. Yeah. But to but to wrap it all up, I mean, no matter no matter who you were rooting for, no matter who won, we got to experience four incredible horsemen who did such an incredible job in just three hours and forty minutes, three hours and fifty minutes. Fifty time minutes, yeah. With these horses. And you know, and it doesn't matter if you're if you were Team Pat Perella, you got to see, you got to see Pat. Um, in the element that he talks about all the time, uh, which was great. If you're on team Mike major, you got to see 
all the best parts of Mike Major really channel his inner cowboy. Um, and really look like he was working a horse to make a working cow horse out of. If you were on, if you were on team Brandy, you really got to see what it's like when a horseman gets humbled and how they respond. And my hat is off to the way she responded. She took it in stride and she knew, she knew right off the bat on day three, today's not my day. I'm not winning this, but she had a smile on her face and she rode with her dad who was completely tear jerking by the way. Absolutely. Um, somebody was cutting onions in that arena, watching her and her dad hand in hand, um, right around that arena. Um, and then you got to see the up and comer, a guy like Glenn Stewart, come in second place. The Canadian that, you know, only a handful of people there probably knew had the smallest booth of all of them, had nothing really for sale except for a couple of t shirts that were like twenty five bucks, had the cheapest stuff there. Um, and was more about selling uh, camping trips than merchandise, uh, which I will definitely be looking at taking him up on because that's a hell of a deal. Heck yeah! You get to go to his ranch for like what was it, eighteen hundred bucks? I think it was more in the two thousand dollar range. I know it was two thousand dollars to have him come wherever you are and give a clinic. Yeah, and he that's a minimum of four days. But I want to say that I want to say that it was. Like twenty three hundred dollars. That was Canadian, so hundred. Yeah, that's right. I I, that. I I did the yeah I did the math. I think it was two thousand. I did the math because I remember looking at you and going, yeah, it's like uh, it's like eighteen hundred bucks or something. Yeah, something like that. But man, whatever I have to pay for that man, it is probably worth it. Yeah, so eighteen hundred bucks, and you get to you go, you have to fly yourself up there, but you get to live as a bedroll cowboy with a horse for eight days. I think. Yeah, I think it was eight days. Yeah, on Canadian range with Glenn Stewart, and he's just telling you about horsemanship, and you get to hit some pretty awesome trails and ride up through the mountains and live in Glenn Stewart's world, and I'm like, where do I sign up? Heck yeah. Well, maybe a bunch of us can get together and get Glenn Stewart to South Carolina. I would love to, and I'll be honest with you, out of um, I've thought about hosting clinics and stuff before with other clinicians, and... um. I'll be honest with you at this point, I would love, you know, I'm always looking, y'all know me, I'm always looking for a way to make a buck. Um, and especially with his new prowess with Road to the Horse before his price jumps, um, I might honestly look at maybe getting a few people to go in um, and uh, doing a four-day Glenn Stewart. Um, you know, we can definitely get a facility here in Aiken. That's that's no problem. Hell, I could talk to some people and probably get the Hippodrome. Um and uh, have Glenn Stewart but on a clinic. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. I feel like we're going to see him blow up here in the next in the next six, eight months. I think uh, Glenn Stewart's going to have a lot larger following. Yeah, we should just name this episode The Love Affair of Glenn Stewart Also Road to the Horse 2022. <laughs> Absolutely. I have Absolutely. never... So, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that, um, it, I take everything kind of in, in passing, you know, I don't, I don't operate in getting sucked into things very, the, the way I did with Glenn Stewart, you know, and, and I know we keep harping on Glenn Stewart, but it, it was just one of those things is I've never watched, I usually watch other horsemen and I'm not a great horseman, but I usually watch other horsemen in a way that I almost try to pick it apart. Why are you doing that? 
and I'm not looking at it in a way of belittling them. I'm looking, at them, well, why are you actually doing that? Are you seeing something I'm not? And at no point in watching Glenn Stewart work was I going, why is he doing that? Because it just all made sense. It was, you know, because yeah. you saw the outcome immediately, and the way he just interacted with that horse blew my mind. The moment that horse went into the round crowd with him on day one, he was that horse's buddy. And when Glenn stepped out to take the break on day one, and that horse stuck his head over the rail and called to Glenn, like, where'd you go? Come back? Yeah. I was like, oh. That horse was locked on him the whole time, whether Glenn was in or out of that arena. That horse was locked on Glenn. So that is the recap of the 2022 Road to the Horse and I will definitely be back for the 2023 Road to the Horse. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. I am going back. If I'm invited or not, uh, I am I am going back. Absolutely. I'll be there, too. And so, hopefully Glenn Stewart will come back. I would love to see Glenn. I think they I think I don't know if he'll be there next year, but I know at some point he probably will. I don't know how they do the rotation. Um. So I'm pretty sure we will see Craig Cameron's son probably next year, since he was supposed to have been at this year's. Um, I don't know what the deal was that. That's actually so for those that don't know, that's why Pat. Everybody kept asking me why is Pat there? Why is Pat there? Well, Pat is there because Craig Cameron's son, and I, I'm sorry I cannot remember his name, um, was supposed to be there, and something happened, and he could not. So at the last moment, Pat Pirelli stepped in. He put every, you know, and hats off to Pat Pirelli. He put everything on hold. He stopped to go jump into that competition, and he was not prepared for it, and it showed. But he, you know what? He for all the Pirelli people, he come out there and he put on a show for you. If that's your man, um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Last eleventh hour, Pat showed up and showed out. Absolutely. So if you've never been able to be a part of that um, and see Road to the Horse. I would definitely recommend uh, getting you a ticket for next year. Um, hopefully they get to expand their vendors a little bit more. Some of the vendors there were so incredibly cool. Everyone was kind and awesome to be around. And uh, just getting to meet new people was 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 a blast. Oh, yeah. And everybody says that in the past the vendors uh, were better. Um, but for some reason, the vendors were you know, kind of lacking this year. So, you know, there I was actually looking for a hatter so I could have my hat shaped and there was no hatters. That yeah. bothered me. The vendors that were there were great, but it definitely would have been nice to have more. There was a lot of um a lot of craft handmade type people there, which is awesome because I love that type of stuff. Um but I would have loved to see a hatter. Um a lot of leather craft vendors there, which is great. A uh, few clothing vendors and stuff. Um, four Sixes had their booth set up. Um, Ryan spent all his money on chinks. I I, I bought chinks. They uh they're flattering. I've already made TikToks on my horse with those chinks. Yeah, all the women they gotta go nuts over those. That's right. So. That's right. I'm out of the history business and into the thirst trap business, ladies. Not not really. You got a history video coming next week. But uh but with that, Jess, thank you so very much. Thank you for being my guide at Road to the Horse. Of course. Anytime. And, anytime. Um, so but before before um before we, we call it a day uh on this episode, 
Um, I got to watch you and your element, which I have heard about um, so much. And you had two young ladies uh, take dressage tests at the Kentucky Horse Park, and Ugh. they they, they killed both did it. wonderful. They did great. I had one girl show classical dressage. Um, it was her very first dressage show ever. Um, and, and scored in the seventy percent, correct? Well, she she show, she got a sixty seven and a sixty eight percent. Um, in her two first tests ever, scoring second in both of her classes, which was awesome. Great first experience for her on her beautiful uh, off the track thoroughbred that she leases. This is who, a gorgeous horse, by the way, people. This, he is this gorgeous. big bay rascal is a gorgeous mover, and she rides him well. Yes, it was very very cold. Ryan was a trooper, being from South Carolina. It was forty degrees and thirty mile an hour winds, but we made it. Um, and then later in the afternoon, uh, my other rider, Ren, she rides a Western dressage and she um, did her basic test and then uh, tried her hand at her first level one test, which was awesome. And she scored 70% on her level one test and got first place. Uh, had a little bit of a rough run in her first class, but uh, ended up in second in that class. And uh, man, those girls were awesome and they enjoyed having you there too. They uh, Ryan was the best uh, cheerer on the sidelines, and um, I know nothing about running dressage. around and doing things for us, which was great. Um, but all in all, man, it was a super busy weekend, but it was great. And you got you got to talk about your Western dressage rider there for a second, your student, oh. and what she actually rides. Yes, yeah, so um, Sophie is a. Um, so when I first met her, she. Uh, did a lot of ranch riding and wanted to get into Western dressage. And I showed Western dressage in college and uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite things ever. So if you don't know what that is, it's literally regular, just like classical dressage, but in a Western saddle, uh, any horse can do it, which is great. They uh, found this little, what they thought was a paint horse. Not so little. He's like probably 15, three. Um, Higgins. He, they found him in a, a feedlot kill pen, like possible situation. Uh, one of those auctions that most of the horses end up going to the kill pen. Um, and they decided to bring him home. He had a lot of quirks. He was real thin, kind of scraggly looking. Um, they ended up doing a DNA test on him and came back uh, being, I, I want to say like 90 or 98% Holsteiner which is awesome. So they got this big, beautiful, warm blood for um, Kilprin prices. And man, that horse is awesome. He is a looker. He is a beautiful mover. And he is so sweet. Uh, and he is so sweet. He, there is not a warm blood attitude nerve. There is not one single warm blood attribute other than just being a great mover and probably super athletic if he wanted to be. Um, that horse is is a kitten. He is. He is. He definitely takes care of Soph, which is great. Um, and man, she is a phenomenal little rider. I'm just gonna take a second to brag on my girls, um, Soph and Adri. They are just the best. When you think of high schoolers, which Sophie, this is her first year in college, but like you don't normally think of girls like this. You tell them to work on something, and they will work on they will work their butts off on it and you will be able to tell that they've worked on it by the time you come back for your next lesson 
Um, they're incredibly dedicated and they are the best students I could ever ask for. So. Well, congratulations to you, Miss Trainer. Um, Thank you. And uh, your students and their horses, I thought they did wonderful. It was my first experience with dressage, and I didn't know anything about dressage. And then once I realized, kind of watching it and what it is, um, the Western dressage interests me. I might have it to take should, my potato. It, it should interest everybody. Any pony can do it. Any horse can do it. So I might have to, uh, I might have to take my my potato horse out there. I'm a potato. That's exactly. I rode her today, and she was a potato. Except she had the potato between her ears today. <laughs> she was just like she forgot how to be a horse. I, I forgot horse stuff. <laughs> I rode my mare today too for the first time this season, um, and she was also kind of a potato. She was like, yeah. "Move my hindquarters. What's that?" Yeah, mine, mine. I was out. I was out front. And uh, I think I sent a picture in the group chat of her standing with her head over the gate, talking to the other horses. That was because I had actually asked her to disengage her hindquarters, and uh, she took that as, oh, we'll just trot to the gate. <laughs> I'm like, no, that is not what I asked. So then when I, so then when I asked to, for her to turn and give me a nice tight turn, gave her, gave her a, a little inside leg, and... Uh, Try to get that nose around to the left. She just decided to push her whole butt and my leg against the gate. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I'm like, I rode my Hancock mare for the first time this year, bareback with a halter and a lead rope, and I didn't die. So there you go. Well, I introduced I introduced uh, Layla today. Uh, I've rode her in a snaffle and a hackamore, and usually I ride her in a I reach out right her in a halter. She's just one of them type of horses. Like I don't even bother with putting anything else on her because she does everything I want in a halter. Um, and she's a pleasure horse. She is not a performance horse. Um, so I introduced her to the junior cow horse bit today, and she had a and it has a copper roll three piece with a copper roller, and she had a string of drool a mile long out of her mouth, and all she did the whole time was. <laughs> Sounds like she liked it. She did, and she you just hear it clank her teeth as she was flopping it around with her tongue. Like she's <laughs> I was just like, What are you doing? And then she uh she was eating grass at one point. I wasn't paying attention. I was talking to my daughter and her head went down, she's eating grass, and I'm like, I'll correct her in a minute. And uh so I go, Well, you're done. So I lead her over, she's still got a mouthful of grass. I lead her over, I pull the bit out of her mouth. Uh, and turn her out, and when I do, this wad of half-chewed, gross, slimy, I'm talking like it looks like a pound of grass just falls to the ground, and is all caked to the bit, and I walk out, I close the gate, I look, she looks on the ground, sniffs it, and continues to eat it. <laughs> There's my potato. That's amazing, I love it. I love her. She is, just, you know, at almost 20 years old, I'm just like, you, you can be you, but you're not going to misbehave under saddle. We, we're going to work on that. But, yeah, out, outside of that, she, she was a little spicy today for her. And oh, yeah. So, she trotted. Oh, yeah. She she just trotted away. And that, that for her, for her, that might as well just be a bolt. <laughs> That's like a mule um, bolt for her. She's like, ooh, try it, hit up, try it, little mane flowing. She looks good to be, she looks good to be 19, 20 years old, too, though. 
awesome. That's not old, her. but I act Her like she's a grand. I act like she's a grandma, but that's not old. No, not too bad. I got um, a twenty-nine-year-old. He's still. Oh, you're twenty-nine-year-old. Right. He does. I've got tomorrow. I was gonna ride my red mare, but we're counting, especially thunderstorms here all day. Welcome to spring in the south, people. And uh, so Friday's gonna be gorgeous, like eighty degrees, sunshine, and I'm gonna give my redheaded dragon a workout, and I'm gonna do that in the round corral. We are not going out. <laughs> and so when it all coming to an end we are in love with glenn stewart road to the horse 2022 is in the books everybody is planning on going back next year i'm sure your whole crew will be back probably next year yep that crew plus more that will be awesome so i had we had fun with the crew this weekend um met some awesome people met some great fans of mine or followers however you want to put it i don't know how to put this on you i don't know if they're fans followers or they just you know make fun of me and go hey it's that guy um regardless uh it felt good to felt like a, a minor celebrity i made some poor fella he i um uh i was waiting right outside the the, the restrooms uh you had went off somewhere else and this guy would come up, and he was just talking to me randomly, and then here's this lady walks up. She goes, I follow you on TikTok. And I go, oh, okay, awesome. Can I get a picture? Yeah. And we, we take a picture, and this guy's just looking, and then, what, two seconds later, somebody else walks up. You're the Ryan guy from TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, I follow you. And then somebody else. And then another one. And this guy's just standing here looking like I was just watching this guy slam a hot dog. And apparently he's a celebrity or something. And he dude looks at me and he goes, Are you some kind of celebrity? And I'm like, <laughs> No, I'm I'm not. And he goes, Good fool me. And I guess his wife come out in the bathroom at that point in time. Ah, <laughs> uh, you'll make me feel awkward. So anyway, so that is us. Uh, so I think the next thing on my agenda, and I, I have to see how that works out because I'm not hundred percent sure, would be the um Land Rover Cup. Yes. No, it's not the Land Rover Cup. It's called the Land Rover three-day event. Uh, it used to be the Rolex Cup. Yes, the Rolex. Now it's the Kentucky Land Rover three-day event. So that's coming. Gosh, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. So I am not holding my breath on making that one, but it is on my calendar. Um and. I'm about 70% sure that I can finagle my way into that one. Um, I noticed I'd mentioned it to some other people, some followers and stuff like that, that are on that side of the horse world um, that are like, oh, you know, it'd be awesome uh, if you could go. And I'm like, well, guess what? I'm, I'm quasi-planning on going. Uh, I have the invitation to go. So um, I, I might be up there for that. So we'll just have to see. The best thing about that is the cross country, in my opinion, is the cross country and the shopping. I bet the shopping is amazing. It's ridiculous. Like, I bet it's bougie. The on crack. I bet it's bougie. It is bougie. So, and, you know, living where I live, I'm slightly in tune with that, that English world a little bit. Didn't know dick about dressage, but. You know, I understand jumping, combined driving, and and all of that stuff. You know, eventing, cross country, I've a polo. You know, I've, I've the things, the, the things, things the stuff. things, the things they do with the saddles without the horns 
and, and the tight pants. That ladies, I'm gonna tell you right now, when you go to the grocery store and you still have your riding breeches on and sneakers, don't don't ever change that look. I love that look. It gets me every time. I love where I live. Just for that. It is everybody's talking about oh it's bikini season. It's riding breeches season at the grocery store. <laughs> goodness gracious so but jess thank you so much for for sharing road to the horse with me um i had a ball hanging out with everyone um hanging out with you um i had a blast just watching the clinicians work and i i i hope to do it next year absolutely so guys thank you for tuning in uh as always I am J. Ryan Chastain, your humble, humble host. It's not going to be too much heavy editing on this one. So if you're missing, if you're waiting for the outro bumper music, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, so I want to thank Anchor.fm for today's sponsor. Without Anchor.fm, none of this is possible. Also, I want to thank the um, Literate Podcast Network for hosting us. You can catch the Life of Literate Podcast, Behind the Horse's Eyes, The Roundtable of Mediocre Horsemen um and other podcasts right there you can check the whole network out on illiteratepodcastnetwork.com again i am ryan she's jessamine rice and we will catch you guys later <laughs>